spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. Welcome to Cloudy with a Chance of Podcast. I'm meteorologist Kirsty Zantini. And I'm meteorologist McCall Vrydags. This is a podcast all about weather. We are two broadcast meteorologists in Dayton, Ohio. And we just can't stop talking about weather. So when we're not on TV, we figured why not jump behind the mic to answer your weather questions and talk about all things meteorology. Now remember, you can listen to Cloudy with a Chance of Podcast anytime you want on Apple iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and WHIO.com. Hey, McCall. Hey, Kirsty. How are you doing? Oh, my gosh. I'm good. I mean, we're getting close to the holidays. I'm just really excited about this holiday with Gia, two years old, and going to be really excited about presents, I think. A presents, and I saw she was excited to decorate your Christmas Mm -hmm. tree. Yeah, I think it's just, it's that age. She doesn't really understand what Christmas is at this point, but, like, any time we pull in the driveway and the lights are on, she's like, lights! And, like, yeah, presents, just, like, ripping things open. So it'll probably be one of those years where I hear a lot of people say they uh, buy all these gifts for their kids, and all they could really care about is, like, the wrapping wrapping paper. Yeah, so you should just wrap up things like um, spatulas (laughs) and bowls, because she won't really know the difference. Yeah, we were (laughs) Wrapping presents for uh, my parents to send back home, and um, she was putting stickers on the wrapping paper. (laughs) That's going to be awesome. Well, that will be so fun for you. Yeah. Um, Also pretty exciting in your household, because uh, I don't know if everyone knows this, but meteorologist McCall Vrydegs is now chief meteorologist McCall Vrydegs. Um, So happy for you. She's been promoted to chief here at WHIO. Um, And you joined the ranks as a female chief, McCall, which Mm -hmm. is there's not a whole lot of other women with you in that boat. No, there's not. Unfortunately, you know, that's just the way it is at this point. Yeah. Um, but moving forward, I think that a lot of it has to do with going back, I don't know how many years, but, you know, it, the workplace wasn't meant for women. Right. It took and a while. Slowly and steadily, women started to get into the workforce and then realizing that they're smart enough to do maths and sciences. Mm -hmm. So there is a lag and there is a little bit of a stereotype of women in this field and then being able to get to where I am. So to be here and to be part of that small percentage is, you know, it's fantastic. Well, we are very, very happy to have you. This means, of course, you're still doing your normal 90 minutes of news, but you can also see McCall at 11 Mm o'clock as well. Um, as chief. So if you are in the Dayton area or uh, if you want to just go to whio.com, you can stream our newscast live. Uh, we also have uh, streaming for OTT. Um, you could download our WHO app there and be able to check out Dayton news, even if you don't live in Dayton, which is still interesting, I promise. Oh, no, it's definitely interesting. Kirsty is um, always updating some unique stories on our website and things like that. If, if there's weather trending in the world, She's up at 4 o'clock in the morning. (laughs) She's seeing the trending weather, and she's likely doing a video or a story about it. (laughs) Yes. Well, uh, trending weather, speaking of, Mm -hmm. we have a pretty interesting guest that we are going to talk to from one of our sister stations. So uh, our morning meteorologist at our sister station, WSOC in Charlotte, North Carolina, is Keith Monday. He has been there since 2008 
Uh, Keith is an Emmy award-winning meteorologist, if you didn't know. He also holds the coveted AMS seal of approval. He studied atmospheric science at the University of Missouri, and he also has covered all different types of weather. He's got a pretty uh, extensive background as a meteorologist. He's forecasted in Texas. He's been in West Virginia. And, of course, now he's in, in Charlotte, North Carolina, where they have had a little bit of everything, McCall. Yeah, you could say that uh, from uh, hurricanes this summer to snowstorms this winter. He's going to be able to talk to us all about it. Of course, we're going to talk about the snowstorm first. Yes. Hi, Keith. How are you? Hello. Thanks for having me on. Glad to be here. Yes, we are so happy to have you. So I was reading about you, and we often start off our conversations with other meteorologists kind of learning about them. And I had read that you got into weather because you were actually afraid of thunderstorms. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. When I was, I guess, oh, pre-sixth grade, so probably like, you know, up through elementary school until about sixth grade, I was like deathly afraid of thunderstorms <laughs> and wouldn't want to go to school, wouldn't want to do anything. I'd want to leave school if there was a storm coming. And uh, I don't know what it was. It was just this weird fear I had. Um, and eventually got over that mostly because my dad would always be watching storms outside so i'd kind of be cowering behind him <laughs> watching what was going on and uh by the sixth grade we had to do a career fair of what we wanted to be when we grew up and in the sixth grade it was uh, to be a tv meteorologist so Aww. that's all i ever wanted to do and thankfully it's uh it, it's worked out over the last 20 uh, something years <laughs> yeah yeah i'd say that's pretty successful but yeah um, that's wonderful, and I think a lot of people can relate or they have children that are afraid mm -hmm. of thunderstorms, and, you know, education is really the best way to break through those fears. Oh, yeah, and, you know, back in back in my day, I put my old man hat on, you know, it's <laughs> like we, I had to read, you know, books and go to the library. And there was do, no Google. <laughs> yeah, there was no interwebs and all that fun stuff, so... Well, that's what I said the same thing. I wrote a, a recent article in the Dayton Daily News talking about when I wanted to become a meteorologist. And my story, I feel like, is different from a lot of meteorologists because I didn't know at an early age. But yeah. I think it goes back to the fact that when I was growing up, I, I lived in this little bubble. We didn't have um, the Internet. Right. Uh, I didn't have a lot of money, so we didn't have cable. So it's not like I was watching national right, weather like stories. On the weather channel, so all yeah. I knew were nor'easters, and I hated snow. What? I hated snow it so much. And it wasn't until I got into high school that I took a neuroscience class and yeah. like kind of like opened my mind up and, and you know, the internet started happening around that time. So <laughs> you yeah, could one search of the, everything. Yeah. One of the big things that kind of got me into not just liking weather but wanting to be on T V is that I grew up around St. Louis and uh, my parents watched the same station all the time. So there was mm -hmm. a meteorologist I watched that you know, that was on the news and I noticed when they would do, you know, the shots of him working in the weather center uh, you know, we call bump shots, you know, yeah. in between the segments. Yeah, I would always notice he had tennis shoes on. <laughs> and as a kid, I was like, wow, so like, cool. he has to get dressed up. But he doesn't have to wear those uncomfortable shoes. I'm like, that's awesome. Oh, I want to be that guy. Yeah. But isn't that so It's like those little things that mm -hmm. stick out to you that, um, you know, that, that stick with you. And, yes, you are uh, quite an experienced meteorologist. It is really neat that you've gotten to live and forecast in different states and really different types of climates. But, Bring it over to weather now. When you got to Charlotte, um, what did you notice? What small changes, I guess, did you have to adapt to or really start honing in on as a meteorologist in that region? Well, it's every, you know, I've had moved, I guess, four, four different times, you know, through my career. And every, every time you move 
uh, you always have to relearn how to forecast yeah. again. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, it's kind of the, it's the interesting thing about our country is that everything's different everywhere you go. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think where, you know, I lived in Texas, a lot of the focus was obviously on severe weather and, um, you know, even drought and just yeah. all kinds of things that way. And when I moved to West Virginia, it was more about flooding and snow. Whereas here, you know, we get a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. And you truly that's do. what was pretty interesting when I found out that, you know, I was coming here. I was like, well, okay, I, I have really no idea a lot about Carolina weather, but you know, once I got established here, it's like, wow, we, we kind of get it all. And this year has been a prime example mm-hmm. of that. I mean, we've had pretty much everything <laughs> in just the last couple of months, it seems like. No, truly, you really have. Um, so uh, what's on a lot of people of mind, of course, we're recording this a little bit before Christmas. So this should come out on the winter solstice, yeah, the 21st. 21st. Um, but just, to, I think it was about two weeks ago, mm-hmm. um, you guys had, were a part of a pretty intense snowstorm for your region. Um, just a you know, kind of talk about that. What is that like preparing a state or a city for snow when they don't typically, I mean, I know the mountainous parts, I guess, would, but right. don't really, this isn't like something that is, is super normal. No, and we get, we we always have, you know, most years, I mean, Charlotte has had snow recorded every winter since they've been keeping records since mm-hmm. the late 1800s. So we've never gone a winter without snow in Charlotte. Mm-hmm. It sometimes is a very small amount of snow, and most years it is. Uh, but we usually get about one good threat, you know, every year. And and the weird thing this year was that it came in early December, and right. that doesn't happen very often at all. Uh, we had, I think, it was the most snow we had had in Charlotte uh, this past snowstorm, and it was only you know two three inches in the city, but it was the most we had had in like 31 years oh, in, in early December. So very strange. <laughs> What is the, like, cleanup like? Yeah, two or three inches in the city. I mean, that's still kind of a lot for, I mean, how are the salt trucks? Like, is it? Did it take a while yeah. to clean it up? Well, in this case, it wasn't bad because we had a very wet snow, and the uh. temperature never really got that cold. So for us in our particular part of the Charlotte area, in the metro area, a lot of it was pretty wet. A lot of it turned to slush, and it, it wasn't too bad. But then when you travel, um, and this is the weird, weird thing about our area, when you travel 20 miles or less north, uh, there were spots that had eight inches or more of snow. Mm-hmm. Wow. And so we're on this cutoff line all the time where you go on the south side of our viewing area, it's rain. Mm-hmm. And then 30, 40 miles north, you know, it could be 10 inches of snow or more. And that's always the case. And trying to forecast where that line's going to fall is is ferocious. It's terrible. <laughs> I was going to say. We know that split a little I know. bit up here in Ohio. <laughs> I, yeah, but I think theirs is on more yours of an extreme Yours is way more level. of an extreme, at least. I mean... How do you even go about starting that? So let's talk about how, yeah, yeah, the process of forecasting a snow. And like you mentioned, the terrain, you know, dramatically changes. So your snow totals are going to dramatically change. Mm -hmm. How far out are you actually giving people numbers? And how does you, how do you go about doing that forecast? Well, this, this was also a weird situation where the models, you know, long range had this thing pegged on us for like seven to 10 days. It was one of those things where it was just consistently there in the, in the outlooks. Usually you know, you'll have something that's far out, and you're like, okay, it's there, and then it right. disappears, yeah. and then it comes back. But this was pretty consistent, so we knew something was going to happen. And then as, as we got closer to the event, it was, the event happened over a weekend. It was a Saturday night and a Sunday. So I believe by Wednesday evening is kind of when we had our first run of like, okay, here is our estimate of what we're looking at. Not solid numbers, but this is you know our estimate and – 
we always try to nail it into people's brains that, you know, we are still going to be several days out. We have to fine-tune this a mm-hmm. lot. Um, you know, don't, don't take everything written in stone just yet. So we were lucky to have still several days out to where we could fine-tune it uh, as we got closer. What about your, um, for your viewing area, the, or the area that you're forecasting for, explain the terrain. You know, what is it like? You've got a metro, but then, like, mm-hmm. kind of break that down because that does play a big a big role in, in not only road temperatures, but also how much snow's falling and, and that kind of thing. Right, and that's that's really one just little piece of, of not just snow totals, but where that rain snow line falls. Uh, it's, it, it, I mean, I guess I've been here long enough now where it's, it's that's the easy part of the forecast. It's like, okay, how, <laughs> we know it's going to snow in the mountains and just how right. much. And you, you learn over time, like, okay, how much more over what the models are going to have usually. Sometimes they underestimate, mm-hmm. you know, some of the, 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 west-facing slopes that get more of a direct wind and generate snows. Um, but then the other part of the equation is not necessarily about elevation, but how far south cold air reaches. Mm-hmm. And that line with the strong northeast winds can just kind of push that line of enough cold air, unfortunately, right into the middle of our viewing area. Mm-hmm. And if it waffles 10, 20 miles, I mean, the, the amount difference can be dramatic. And, of course, that's where people get aggravated. It's like, oh, you said right. it was going to snow. And it's like, well, yeah. you're right on the line, mm-hmm. <laughs> unfortunately. Um, because you had this big snowfall in December, which is not typical for you to see that type mm-hmm. of snow even, you know, yearly, um, I'm assuming the temperatures warmed up. And where did all that snow go? Did you have a flooding threat afterwards? We we actually thought we were going to have a bigger flooding threat than it turned out. So for, for Charlotte, it wasn't enough to, to have any flooding because the, the snow was had kind of melted away not too long after it fell. Um, but then when you traveled to the northern sections, we had a big rain event mm-hmm. the week after, and there was still a healthy snowpack. And so it, luckily the rain didn't end up being as heavy as what the models were forecasting. I and mean, there were some models that had two to three inches of rain, and we're thinking, gosh, Whoa, we get yeah. that mm-hmm. plus the snow melt. That's almost like adding another three to four inches of, of water um, and luckily, the rain didn't rain heavily enough, and there weren't too many big issues. But that was a big concern because there were spots in the mountains that had well over a foot, foot and a half of snow. I bet there was a little bit of sensitivity um, to flooding in that area because of yeah. the hurricane impact and mm-hmm. the flooding that you guys dealt with. And that was a, a big concern going in, you know, because how much of that snow is going to linger and then melt away, and also. There were some spots that ended up being just south of our viewing area that did get two to three inches of rain, um, and those spots had some flooding, and we were worried that that was going to creep up a little further north and be closer to our our DMA, but thankfully it it didn't. But, um, yeah, I mean, after the the two hurricanes and then this early snow, it's like I think we're all all kind of ready for this year to be over. (laughs) We're good. Florence was what, uh, number two? Oh, yeah. Hurricane Florence? Yeah, Googled. Hurricane Florence was the, the number two top Google search overall, and then it was also the number two search for their news category. Oh, wow. Yeah, So and then last year was Hurricane Irma, so um, it is kind of interesting when we have big hurricanes, impactful hurricanes in the United States, how, how they end up being just huge searches for people. We had a whole episode about Florence where we talked to um, – Brian Monahan from WSB. Yeah. We talked to Garrett Biedenbaugh from Jacksonville, and then uh, John Paul from your station. Yeah. Uh, but do you have any uh, thoughts or memories about that event? Yeah. The biggest thing that I think I'll always remember about it is just how 
painfully slow yeah, it was moving. Know. I've never seen a landfalling hurricane move it two miles I was going to say it was two, two miles. miles an hour. And it was just unbelievable to see this thing. And we were covering it for days mm-hmm. and still saying, okay, actually, the worst isn't here yet. <laughs> right. It's still going to rain even heavier. And oh. um, that was just unbelievable to watch this just painfully slow speed of the storm and, and just seeing the amount of rain that they had in eastern Carolina just keep piling up. Yeah. What is your, I guess, your community now? I mean, did you notice there was a hypersensitivity when you guys were talking about the possibility of flooding rain or, um, you know, another big weather event? Because I would imagine people are probably still a little raw from from what had occurred. Yeah, and that's it's it's become just kind of the. I mean, part part of it, I mean, some of it is, I think, a legitimate concern. Other other part of it is just just everyone's sick of it, you know, yeah. kind of tired of it all. And we joke a lot on our morning show about how it seems like every Friday we have rain. I saw that on um, Twitter, Keith. It was like you had an emoji cast, and it was like yeah. just a sad face. It's going to rain again. Another day. I mean, we are in this pattern now, and it, it really did seem like it kind of started with the hurricanes several months ago mm-hmm. that every week we get a decent, you know, almost one-inch rain event. and. Yeah. It's just shocking that this keeps happening over and over and over again. And <laughs> yeah. We're done with it. It's depressing. <laughs> and that is very depressing. Can't well, be, yeah. for your, I mean, being in the South, at least, well, you are in the South, but mm-hmm. especially to us in Ohio. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but now going into a winter with a weak El Nino, I mean, that it, you guys are going to get kind of that southern storm track. Is yeah. that something you guys are not looking forward to now for no. this winter? <laughs> and we're just hoping that we don't get, you know, these little cold blasts in between. Yes. That, that's our yes. biggest problem is mm-hmm. that if we get a big cold spell in between these southern storms, which is what happened in early December, mm-hmm. um, that's when we get the problems, you know, with, with the rain-snow line and all that mess. So mm-hmm. for now, the last couple of weeks, we've been pretty steady with right. keeping the cold air even even for you guys like i was gonna say it's there, even past us so. way north yeah let's keep it away <laughs> i know i agree we've been long range forecasting our winter and it doesn't look like it's gonna stay warm forever up here i know so anyways no. we hope that it skips and does not go all the way down all the way down into the carolinas for you or else we're going to be calling you again to talk about yeah hopefully. unfortunately these type of setups we probably at some point are going to see some large ice storm well, down are, in those southern states yeah that's oof. hopefully not in Charlotte, right? <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Luckily, we, we those usually steer a little further north and west of us. So typically, I mean, obviously they can happen here, but right. mm-hmm. usually see those more like Atlanta, Nashville, yeah. um, yes. kind of events with the ice storms. Um, typically, with those events, we end up being a little bit warmer or, or colder enough to be snow. But right. um, it's just tricky. Yeah, I mean, it's. I mean, it's people hard. always gripe about you know why. Why don't we ever get you know that much snow here, or why why is it not so easy? And it's like, well, it's just where we live. We we live in this transition zone. Yeah, but you know what? All of the Ohio winds they come down that way for summertime. Yeah. Do you know how many Buckeyes go to the Carolinas for? Oh yeah. For so vacation. Many. <laughs> we infiltrate your state. I know we do. Sorry about that. Oh, that's all right. Well, as long as you don't bring the snow with you, we don't care. <laughs> all True. right. Um, well, Keith. Thank you so much for chatting with us. I do want to ask one more question, and I don't mean to put you on the spot, but as a meteorologist, there, I feel like, are always either storms, weather events, um, coverage that you've done that maybe sticks out in your mind or maybe early in your career, like, Mm -hmm. really left a mark on you. Do you have one of those to share with us? 
Well, there, there's definitely there's one. probably more than one, but. <laughs> yeah, well, there's definitely one, like, before I got into the business. Mm-hmm. Um, as a kid growing up, there was, it was 1983, I believe, a big snowstorm uh, in the St. Louis area where we had thunder snow. That was the first time I'd ever mm. witnessed thunder snow. Oh. And still being afraid of storms at that age, I was really. <laughs> this is, you're like, this is what is happening. It's like snowing the, and there's thunder. This is the worst the world day. is ending. Yeah, it's, it's like ruining one of my favorite things. Why is this happening? <laughs> Uh, and then as I got into my first job um, in Lubbock, Texas, where I first started out of school, we had a tornado outbreak uh, one year in May that had, gosh, I think at one point, I mean, I was on the air for eight hours straight. Oh, wow. And we had, I think, eventually 20-something confirmed <sighs> tornadoes. Mm. And amazingly, like, little damage and no injuries just because of how open that part of Texas right. is. A lot of the storms were out in the middle of nowhere, thankfully. But it was a memorable storm that you always, you know, think back to. Like, okay, what was your worst coverage? And like, oh, yeah, that was that one. That was that. (laughs) Yeah. I I imagine I would be in full-on panic. Yes, that's Yeah, when you have multiple tornado warnings going Uh, on. At once, right. You just start to get that sinking feeling. We've talked about this in the past that you're just like, there's no way things are not yeah, getting destroyed getting right destroyed. now. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's it's a terrifying feeling. And it's that thing as a meteorologist where it's like so interesting but also so horrible because you also know like this is bringing destruction. So exactly. you're always battling that. Um, thunder snow story I have as well. <laughs> I My first job out of college was in Youngstown, Ohio. So we were um, still a part of the secondary snow belt up there off of Lake Erie. And we would get some thunder snow. And the one day we were actually rolling on it, and it was just me and my other meteorologist friend, and we worked weekends. And I started screaming, thunder snow! Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, did we roll? And it ended up being, I think, like, um, you know, the little stories they run at the end of the, if you're not familiar with the word, I'm not even going to say it. What is it? Uh, kicker? Yeah, the uh, kicker. Yeah, the yeah, kicker. Yeah. It ended up being the kicker for, like, a lot of stations. (laughs) And if you listened really closely, you could hear me screaming. It would have been better if you were on camera. Oh, I know. Yeah, it wasn't as exciting as when Jim Cantori lost it for the Thunder Snow (laughs) clip that he has. But, yeah, I was – I mean, because it is is rare even in, like, Lake Effect Mm -hmm. country. And the fact that we got it on camera, it was just insane. (laughs) So cool. Weather nerding out right now. what a loser. I'm sorry. (laughs) Well, Keith, I know you're probably exhausted because you did work the morning show. Yeah, Keith's so, a morning warrior like yeah, I am. I know. You guys are weird creatures, the two <laughs> yeah, of you. Are. We're, I'm like the exact opposite. Right now, I'm like crawling in with my coffee like, whoa, so early. Um, but so people can follow you on yes. social media uh, because, as I said, a lot of us head down to the Carolinas right. for vacation. So we want you to be the meteorologist they look to. Yes. Tell me, um, what are your social media platforms? And how can people find you? On the uh, on the Twitter, since you know, <laughs> on that Twitter, Twitter. On, on the old Twitter, yeah. uh, it's at K Monday WSOC nine, and then uh, on the on the Facebook, it's <laughs> just uh, Keith Monday WSOC nine. Awesome. awesome. And it's Monday, like the day Monday. Yeah, yeah like, like you can't mess it up. You can't right. spell it wrong. It's just how it is. People always try to spell it wrong, but it's, it's, it's easier than you think. <laughs> exactly. I, that's why I said it, because I'm like, people are probably like, it's probably like a D-A-E. Right. Like a M-U-N. Yeah, M-U-N. Yeah, yeah. yeah. no. like, nope, just like the day of the week. Got it? Don't yep. mess it up. <laughs> uh, thank you, Keith, so much for joining us. And, of course, we'll call you if anything crazy happens, but I hope you get a nice, quiet forecast in Charlotte for a little bit.
Well, thank you guys for having me on. This was a lot of fun, and uh, hopefully we don't have any crazy uh, weather events, at least for the rest of the year. I know there's not much left, but I'm right. hoping that we can kind of keep it quiet for yeah. a while. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Keith. Have a happy holiday. Thank you. You as well. That was such a great interview with Heath. It was. Super, super interesting. And, you know, like he said, they get snow every year in Charlotte, mm-hmm. but that was quite a bit of snow for them. A unique weather event. A unique weather event. That was the word that was, like, sticking out in my mind because it seems like unique weather events are <laughs> happening, happening everywhere. everywhere. Um, earlier this week, something crazy yeah. happened in the Pacific Northwest. And it legitimately is crazy statistically speaking as well Mm -hmm. yeah the state of washington on average a year sees between two to three tornadoes yep that is low low and for a tornado to happen near seattle is even more rare because of the topography and how cool it is there but they had a tornado that occurred there and not a brief spin-up no I mean, it was a EF2. tornado. Mm-hmm. EF2, the video footage of the terrifying. actual tornado, the damage that occurred was terrifying. Yeah. And I uh, was working that day when the tornado occurred and quickly remembered um, our chief meteorologist at our sister station in Cairo, Morgan Palmer, who we've spoken to before about Seattle yes. weather, was working because it was on his shift. And I quickly messaged him to ask him if he had a few minutes to do an interview with me. And I'm going to play that audio here for you so you can hear what it was like at the moment after it had just happened. Right. So this is before we even knew the rating of what the tornado had done. Mm-hmm. Um, this was just his feeling and reaction from that day. All right, so we'll just jump right into it. Um, basically, I've, I've been watching your coverage, which has been amazing, and based on the video and the radar that you've been showing, it clearly looks as though a tornado occurred um, just southwest of Seattle, if I'm correct. Um, how far away was this storm from Seattle? Uh, as the crow flies, where this happened is about 16 miles southwest, sort of west-southwest of Seattle. Uh, it's in an area, it's in a town called Port Orchard, and that's in Kitsap County. It's actually across Puget Sound from Seattle. So while it's 16 miles away, you have to take a ferry to get there. Okay. Unless you want to drive all the way around Puget Sound. So it takes a while to get there. Uh, it, it hit a heavily populated area, a residential area, but also there was a Walmart and some of the cars were damaged there. And this um, definitely was a storm that we don't typically get this time of year. We average in the state of, entire state of Washington uh, two to three tornadoes per year. And few of those ever happen in our part of the state because it's typically cooler here. We just had some unusual conditions today. Yeah, and in your coverage and kind of piggybacking off of that, like how common it is to see those type of storms, from what I saw in your coverage, uh, it's quite rare to see a tornado of perhaps this magnitude of an EF2 or 3. Is that correct? Right. We've only had five EF2s or 3s in our coverage area, which is the immediate greater Seattle area. They uh, had one down in Vancouver, Washington, about 30 or 40 years ago. There were some fatalities. It was an EF3. There has only been one EF3 in the greater Seattle area, greater Puget Sound area, and that was way back in December of 1969. That's incredible. A very, very rare occurrence. We won't know for sure until the damage survey gets out there tomorrow morning. The National Weather Service in Seattle will get out there at first light. But looking at the dual polarization radar, looking at the debris signature and how the debris was lofted, and also the damage, it looks like 
an EF2, give or take. Yeah. So we'll see what they find them on. I would have to agree, just based on what I was seeing as well, it looks very familiar to uh, that type of wind speed and that type of damage. Um, were there any warnings issued, and do you guys have sirens to alert people? Right. We, there, there weren't any warnings issued from the National Weather Service. It looks like this touched down and came back up from the video I've seen in about a minute, maybe a little more than a minute. It was moving at a good clip, so it covered a, a, a large area or a pretty good swath of a neighborhood and there wasn't a warning issued in fact it's a rare occurrence for us to have a tornado warning issued from the national weather mm -hmm. service in seattle it's been a few years since that happened just because it, it rarely happens up here going back and looking at the radar signatures the velocity data the wind there was some rotation in that storm it wasn't extremely strong rotation but we sometimes get rotation in our weather systems up here. We have very shallow thunderstorms, by the way. The tops of these thunderstorms today, 20, 30,000 feet, not even, not that tall yeah. compared to what you see out there. Um, but in this case, I think what probably happened is we already had some spin in the atmosphere and we had a developing shower. It's actually a pretty good thunderstorm already going. And it might've actually caught some enhanced spin or vorticity as we call it from surrounding terrain. The terrain up here is very hilly and mountainous, and that can really do some amazing things when a thunderstorm or even a strong rain shower encounters an area where the winds suddenly change. We've been known to have spin-ups, and it looks like that's probably what happened today, but this was on the strong end of what we would ever expect up here. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Probably your terrain has something to do with enhancing that storm. Um, can you discuss the time of day that this happened and how that uh, may have impacted the everyday person? Right. This happened a little before 2 p.m. Looks like about 1.55. And so there are some schools that are already out. There are some schools that are still in. And so there weren't a whole lot of people on the roads, at least in that immediate area. But there were a lot of people at the Walmart. Uh, that parking lot was hit, and it was pretty busy at the time. As of right now, talking to you here at 6.30 in the afternoon, we have, don't have any reports of serious injuries, but they still have a house-to-house -house search to go uh, in that neighborhood. And it looks like some pretty well-constructed homes there, and some lost their roofs, which is, is impressive for a tornado up here. Oh, that answers all my questions. Is there anything else yeah. that uh, I didn't bring up that maybe you want to talk about? Yeah, we, we don't have any sirens up here, mm -hmm. and frankly, few people have National Weather Service NOAA weather radios, uh, although more people have cell phones nowadays. So if a warning had been issued, it would have gotten probably out to a number of people. Unfortunately, what in the National Weather Service will take a look at what happened with their warning process, because there was some rotation, but I've seen rotation like that before. What I've not seen is a tornado debris signature on radar up here. We've had dual pole radar and the ability to see that since 2011 when it was installed on the Seattle radar. We've had a few tornadoes since then, mainly EF0s and EF1s. I have not seen a debris signature, and that one was a pretty strong one. So I think we're looking at probably one of the more significant tornadoes in a few decades up here in the region. Absolutely crazy. I'm mm -hmm. really glad that you were able to call them, though. And once yeah. again, thank you, Morgan, for talking to us. And remember, you can look back. We have a whole episode with Morgan. Mm -hmm. He talks about his life. He talks about all of the interesting topography and how yeah. that impacts, you know, Seattle and, and weather in the Pacific Northwest. So please look back at those old episodes mm -hmm. and listen to it. But um, wow. I know. It was incredible. Yeah. The, that footage, is, as we were talking about. 
insane. You would so. think that it was, you know, something down in Tornado Alley with yeah. the debris ball that Morgan was talking about. Yeah. Clearly seeing it on radar. Yep. Um, was impressive. He said actually um, on Twitter then later that day, I remember that the debris um, had been lofted, I think he said almost a mile up Yeah, in like 6,000 feet. That's insane. Yeah. Ooh. I was thinking about it because of the terrain that's there, all the trees. Yeah. I saw a lot of that those trees just ripped yeah. to shreds there. That would be interesting to look at the Google Earth as well to see the, if there's any scarring. Mm-hmm. Um, if you could see some of those little nooks and crannies yeah. where a tree may have been uprooted or snapped, and um, that could be something to look into. What I thought was uh, probably the most interesting about that interview was the fact that he- not that there wasn't a warning issue because it was very fast and we've yes, seen scenarios it's, it's like happened, that before. Right. But the people there are not built mentally for this type of event. Right. They don't even have sirens there. Wow. So they're out doing their thing. I mean, it's right before Christmas. Mm-hmm. He was talking about, you know, all the people at Walmart, you know, doing last right. minute shopping. Thankfully, it was like two o'clock in the afternoon when people were still at work and school. It was very visible at least. But there was literally no way of letting them know unless they were watching Morgan right. tracking this storm. So it's, yeah. you know, fortunate so that it wasn't a, a worse outcome. Yeah. So thankfully, yeah, thankfully it wasn't wasn't a worse outcome. But, um, yeah, really, really very, very interesting stuff. And, of course, we will continue to keep you um, updated on anything that's interesting, not only in Dayton, Ohio, if you're one of our listeners outside of Dayton. Mm-hmm. Um, we love to talk to meteorologists across the country and, and anyone, really, that's that loves weather as much as we do. But we do want to take a minute and wish you all um, not only Merry Christmas, but a very happy holidays. As always, thank you for listening to Cloudy with a Chance of Podcast. And I also want to say Merry Christmas and have a happy new year. You can subscribe, download, and listen to our podcast using the podcast app on your Apple iPhone, as well as on Google Play, Stitcher, and WHIO.com. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24.